the legendary Julia Brown. Voodoo Queen of New Orleans was known to roam in the swamps surrounding her home as she softly whispered songs of curses. Her most famous forewarned of the ill fate of the town, promising to take them all with her in death. As they lowered her casket into the ground, a hurricane swept up from nowhere, leveling the town and two others close by, leaving nothing standing in its wake. Many claim the curse of Julia Brown was finally fulfilled that fateful day, and others don't dare to accuse the voodoo priestess, still fearing for their safety, as well as for their loved ones. Voodoo, a word that for hundreds of years has been associated with mysterious rituals, black magic, and ideas of the occult. The tumultuous history of voodoo practices and its evolution in places of the New World such as Haiti would push its practitioners into the dark corners, causing voodoo to become quite possibly the world's most misrepresented and misunderstood religions. However, even its own followers and practitioners will admit that voodoo is shrouded in mystery, its evolution over centuries producing varying offshoots of occult beliefs, stories of dark magic, ritual sacrifice, and zombification became common associations. Although ideas of witchcraft, curses, and black magic were often established as propaganda against voodoo practitioners, real-world claims of voodoo magic for good and evil, as well as its many bizarre rituals, have yet to be fully explained. Join us tonight on Into the Portal as we discuss the origins and history of voodoo as well as some of the bizarre claims of curses and zombification. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm your host, Amber Ray. And I am your co-host, Andrew McKay. So welcome back, everybody. Here we Mm -hmm. are. Episode 7. Woo! That's right, right? We're on episode 7. Yes. I know how to do math. Yes. I do math good. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Good, good, Apparently, this is a breaking point for a lot of podcasts. That's what we've read. We're just pushing on through that. Yeah, if if you hear (laughs) us past this episode, then we've done something right, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So we're pretty pumped on this one. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've uh, we've been thinking about this for a while. Hey, Voodoo. You've wanted to do this one for a while. I think ever hey, since we saw... you always say that, hey? You're well, always I'm like, well, it. this was Amber's idea, <laughs> and then we're just doing it. But no, I'm super into it, too. I think it was from the Murder, She Wrote episode. And yes, we do watch Murder, She Wrote, people. Um, there was one that was on Voodoo, and, <laughs> right. and uh, that kind of sparked your interest in it. Yeah. That was a while back, but... And I just tweeted that gif that was from that episode. That's right. Hilarious. Pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, voodoo. Uh, we do a few updates just off the bat. Yeah, quick um, updates. A lot of fun stuff. Like we switched to Audio Boom, which is really cool. So yeah, that's we're our new host. Um, yeah, the reception's been great. Yeah, it's um, awesome. We love the analytics. We love everything. So thank you, Audio yeah. Boom. Um, yeah. And oh, we've got this new merch rolling out. Yes. 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 I'm excited. I got my UFO t-shirt on the way. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we, we launched. <laughs> and my the, pillow. And my pillow. Amber's <laughs> excited about the pillow. She loves her naps. So yeah, that's great. Well, I need something to comfort me for all these creepy ass topics. Indeed. Very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, no, but we had some awesome artwork done um, by Desdemona. Yes. Sprinkle face uh, cosplay. Yeah. Um, real name is? 
Melinda. Melinda. And she does, <laughs> yeah. uh, she's done our work for Mad Scientist podcast and a whole yeah. bunch of other ones. And uh, yeah, she did some great stuff for us. And, and uh, yeah, we have it up on T Public. So yeah, like laptop <laughs> cases, t-shirts, pillows and stuff. And Mugs. it was just cool to... The baby onesie. That was yeah. Hilarious. So anyway, you guys can go check that out. It's um, a fun way to support us and yeah. just to get some cool stuff. Like It's fun. We've got I... a really cool portal logo. Not our main logo yet, but just some other really fun ones. And that's uh, the link's on our website. So into the portal.com. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't really have any other opening thoughts personally. Oh, I have one. Okay, go for it. Happy birthday! <laughs> oh yeah, happy birthday, Scott! Happy birthday, Scott! My uh, brother-in-law. That's yeah, right. That's weird to say. It's still weird to say that, eh? Even though it was like October they yeah. got married. Anyways. Anyway, happy okay. birthday, bro! Yep. Okay. Um, and here we are. We're moving. We're, let's let's get let's get going. So get yeah, we kind of covered. We weren't. I was inspired by murder she wrote um, <laughs> dating ourselves much it makes us sound like we're she we're is one of my heroes i would say jessica fletcher um elaine bennis and <laughs> velma <laughs> velma dinkley those are my trifecta of awesome females that's that a I solid look up to. that's a solid three musketeers of uh right yeah <laughs> yeah i'm into it <laughs> screw daphne though yeah, yeah, yeah. useless useless no <laughs> i didn't like her scarves anyway yeah, same thing all the time so, but yeah, so voodoo. So we're going to talk about the origins. Basically, when we mm-hmm. started researching for this one, we realized like we do with a lot of these topics, like there's so much history involved and it's not yeah. just about the, you know, the, the myths and the legends. There's always so much more behind it and it's tough not to go down rabbit holes, but we're going to give you It's fun to go down them though. Oh yeah, To some degree. Totally. Mm-hmm. So to start it off, I guess we need to talk about West Africa. We need yeah. to discuss how, um... The transatlantic slave trade ultimately impacted the development of voodoo in the new world. Yep. Yes. And it's not even very clear. Hey, like, did you come up with even an approximate start point for voodoo in West Africa? No. The thing is, is like when we were looking into it, like, yeah, it's just sort of a melting pot of different kind of, um, what was the word? I think it was animism. It was sort of the religion, a lot of things based off of animals. And yeah, it was regional. So it was like all over West Africa and then moving into Central Africa too. So there was like... And then the natural elements as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wind, water, fire, all these things. Serpents figure prominently into that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. the python is one of the main animal kind of, um, yeah, associated with deities and voodoo. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, West Africa in in general is just sort of a melting pot for these beliefs. And it wasn't really... It's like voodoo or voodun is more of right. the West African sort of original voodoo, and then the actual voodoo developed later on in the New World voodoo. is what we'll get into. I have the spelling V-O-D-O-U right. for that. Um, and I have a couple of like different groups here, like the Bakongo, the Dahomean, and the Yoruba as like sort of the founding African influences okay. of voodoo. Interesting. Especially in Haiti and Cuba, and then America eventually. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. But it is one of the world's most misunderstood religions. And that's sort of one of the things. It's like, even when we started looking into it, it's like, huh, yeah, I mean, I guess I knew that. But it's like, it's a legit religion, you know? And uh, people don't think of it that way, right? Because of popular culture and because of everything else. Think of magic and curses and (laughs) voodoo dolls. And there's elements of that in all religions, for Mm. sure. But um, yeah, no, voodoo, yeah, lots of misconceptions about it. And it's basically though, like voodoo is, it's like any religion, it's for healing, it's for connecting to the spirits, Yes. all, all these types of things. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's lots of occult ideas 
associated with that, which was what makes it so interesting why yeah. we wanted to do the episode in the first place. And a lot of shock factor stuff, right? Like, yeah. even in some of the documentaries that were a little bit more anthropological that we looked into, like, sometimes the images that we saw were not contextualized by, say, like, oh, this is um, such and such a ceremony where, oh, they're ripping apart this chicken for a certain reason. And, like, and yeah. it, it they kind of, yeah, at, at some points I was like, I was struggling. I was like, why are they doing that? Yeah. I need to know, like, what is going on? Like, I know, right? And so, yeah, even back further in the day, if you were to see that as, say, like, a European colonist in the New World and your slaves are doing that, you'd be like, this is devil worship. Yeah, like, you would. Is, yeah, yeah you, you, not... you would think that for sure. Yeah. It's just a totally different mode of thought. Like, your worldview is completely word. different. just a word. Voodoo is, it, it, it almost seems steeped in, like, this, like, dark mystery or something definitely Voodoo. the sound of it yeah right just the, the, it sounds yeah, ominous definitely and it's funny because it actually just means spirit in the local fawn language that's like a african dialect of sorts. yeah well I, th- I wonder if that's benin because modern day benin the west african country of benin is regarded as the birthplace of this religion mm-hmm. um obviously it, you know it, it goes through into other west african countries like ghana and all these other places as well but benin is known for voodoo um, small country, right? Very, yeah, it's real. it's skinny. It's I don't even slim think I've country. heard of it until I, now. No, that's weird, right? Like I looked at the, was looking at the map the other day. It's yeah, it, it is coastal, but it's like just a sliver of it is on the coast. And then it kind of like runs mm. along the skinny border into the interior. And then it's oh, like a little bit okay. bigger in the interior, but huh. yeah, it's an, yeah. Interesting. Right. So Crazy. those are the origins though. Non, yes. And then, you know, and then we're obviously dealing with this being brought over to the new world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's let's. Hop so we get that. things like voodoo or voodoo turning into well, not turning into, but there's like different names, right? Like there's hoodoo, for example. Right. So like, what's the difference there? Okay. Well, I got the difference between the two, but if like, there is, have yeah. we even? Okay. So here's what's happened. So hoodoo is an offshoot of voodoo, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of different offshoots of voodoo. Like we we don't get into Santeria in this episode, really, mm. but that's another example of kind of new world development of like an occult practice similar to voodoo and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, just to be clear, this all <coughs> happened as a result of the transatlantic slave trade, right? Yeah. You know, stealing people from their homeland or purchasing them from other African tribal leaders yes. in Africa. Forceful migrations. Right, bringing them over. People. And... Obviously, these people are coming from all different places mm-hmm. th- over, over, throughout West Africa and other yeah. places in Africa. So it's not just voodoo beliefs in general. And it's you got variations of it. And now they're all blending together African mm-hmm. beliefs and also blending together of eventually European ideology in the new world. Right. And that's interesting, too, because even today um, in Haiti, for example there continues to be sort of like, there'll be the Congo um, temple of voodoo, right? So it's like these regional sects haven't really sort of melded at all like no. they they contain their own nuances and their, their own, own identities yeah. and stuff so yeah. that i thought that was cool from totally that one documentary so but anyway the difference between hoodoo and voodoo mm. is essentially from what i could gather it's actually quite interesting i mean hoodoo seems to have developed in haiti and then again a further evolution in new orleans a little bit later on in the new world mm-hmm. but basically it's like more of the applied practice from what i can gather the really? use of I mean, there's definitely applied practice in voodoo rituals as well, like where you have obviously like objects used in ritual and uh-huh. there's water, there's other things used and stuff. You're obviously like 
you know, sacrificing animals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hoodoo seems to be more of the almost like potion making, like herbalist kind oh, of so thing. Oh, so like the Grigri and yeah. things like that. Yeah, very much like that. So Grigri, so, just to clarify, Grigri is um, a mixture, a concoction of sorts of different herbs, uh, medicinal, uh, like, I don't even know what else would be in there. It's like, it's basically, it's, it's things that not outsiders looking in would think is witchcraft and it could potions be even like things like chicken bones or something yeah or, totally it's or all, chicken feet there's or like, lots of bizarre ingredients and things mm-hmm. like that and they're basically all, if they're like they're um they're all customized right to the yes. actual person that's going to the voodoo priest exactly. or whatever exactly okay. mm-hmm. yeah sorry so i have a little bit of a definition here though <laughs> so so hoodoo um, is conjure or root work, um, African-derived mystical, medicinal, and spiritual system of personal and psychological empowerment. So that sounds similar to that almost sounds like, and stuff. Uh, like a quest to enlightenment. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's definitely a part of voodoo and hoodoo too, right? Like about trying to connect with the spirits and all these ki- right. types of things. So it continues on to say, each system involves the specialized use of botanical, zoological, and mineral material, such mm-hmm. as herbs, roots, stones, bones, anim- other animal parts um, that are prepared in a certain ritualistic manner for the purposes of protection, defense, justice, healing, love, or wealth. So, Interesting. They're largely influenced, and this was interesting, the ones that we see today, now, mm-hmm. now at the not at the end of the evolution, but at the current point of sort of hoodoo, voodoo evolution, and now there's not only European and West African beliefs and traditions, but now indigenous Native American folklore and folk occult stuff mixed into that too. Oh. Um, so the people, so African slaves and descendants of them that ended up in New Orleans and Southern United States and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. There were indigenous peoples in those areas too, and then those beliefs would, you know, over the over the decades, men, b- blended it's into. It's all amalgamated, eh? So that's quite. So anyway, but that's 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 hoodoo. So folk magic. So we got voodoo, and then we got hoodoo that you'd find. Yep. I also came across something called juju. 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 Spelled J U J U. Okay. Uh, apparently, might have originated. I would say it originated from the French for juju, which means uh, plaything. Okay. Because obviously, yeah, Haiti's French colony, whatever, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, yeah, it's very similar, but essentially it's not actually associated with voodoo, but it's another spiritual belief system that uses amulets, charm objects, and spells. Right. And it, on like I did read into this a bit, and it almost seemed like it was like the African version of karma. So if something, if someone gets a weird vibe from say even like an object or a person, they'll say that person has bad juju. Or really? it could be the opposite. And another interesting thing that I came across was, um, <laughs> so this has been used to affect outcomes of games, like things like World Cup soccer games. <laughs> really? So West African nations actually uh, legitimately use this to try and Well, and no doubt uh, the Haitians as well and other people. Yeah. yeah. So that, I thought that was cool. So anyway, so we've kind of gone into the whole, the nuances of names and... I guess Houdon would just be sort of like a different... Maybe that's just the French version. Actually. Possibly. I mean, there's there's a lot of different spellings. Because, and... like, obviously, anywhere in the U.S., like, we're talking about the French Quarter. Right. So this was where, after the Haitian Revolution, things like that, a lot of surviving French colonists from Haiti swarmed in and went to New Orleans and went to the French Quarter and set up a new yeah. sort of dynasty there. That makes sense then to me. Which does explain why voodoo was so harshly repressed in that area, just because of the um, consequences of the Haitian Revolution for yeah. 
the French. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll touch on that in just a sec. So that's, okay, yeah, so that's a good, so we're getting back to Haiti. Yeah. Because this is important. So in the early days of, say, I have a date here, have 1791 to 1804. Okay. This was basically a huge rallying point for the slaves of Haiti working on plantations, um, and it inspired revolts, rebellions, and resulted essentially in the creation of the first black republic in the new world. Yeah. Which yeah, is and, cool. And voodoo like, was... And bloody. It was It was oh, not yeah. overnight. No. Like, no, it was, it was... And it even was, then, like, we, we watched the documentary and they just created their own oppressors after yeah. the French left. Yeah, exactly. Very sad. Totally. But. Like, I have an example of that, basically. So a little bit later, so 1864 in mm. Haiti, there was a... So yeah, so now this is after the first revolution, or maybe even the second revolution. There was a couple because there mm-hmm. was a few leaders that came into power and they were total dickheads and, and they, they had were, to oust yeah. them, including this guy, Fabre. Jaffard. So he was a. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the term. Is he French? He's French, but he's <laughs> okay. he. But he was like he was mixed race. I can't oh, yeah. remember the term for it though. In oh Creole. Creole, or... yeah. I was gonna say mestizo. Or mestizo, that, yeah, 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 same different idea. Different part of the world, but same idea. And he was definitely like he, he related to the people because he was like of African descent, mm-hmm. but he was totally like French. He was a French, 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 Frenchman, basically. He, so French ideology. French ideology. He was, wanted to push voodoo to the fringes. He wanted to, um, you know, exert Catholic control, just like the oppressors okay. earlier on did. And so he pushed forward like high profile, like public uh, executions of voodoo oh. priests and stuff. So yeah, 1864 was the date for one of the most well-known ones. 10 plus people accused of cannibal cannibalism and witchcraft and for digging up the body of a girl. Uh, they were made a spectacle of by this president Faber Jafar. So he basically, yeah, public hangings. And that was just one example of probably thousands of examples of people being made an example, like, you know, mm-hmm. to try to scare people from, Practicing. from continuing their practices. And I find that so ironic mm-hmm. for the creation of like myths and for all this stuff, because it's like, by p- forcing people into the fringes and then turning around and saying, why are you being so mysterious in yeah. the corner there? It's like, well, because you shoved us into the corner because we're not allowed to practice out in the open. Exactly. So it's just this very cyclical, ironic mm. thing. Anyways, <laughs> that was yeah, a little tidbit from 1864. Pretty gruesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. So from there... I guess you see the rise, well, not the rise, but you see the spread, I guess, of voodoo. Because the, the story that I, the narrative I kind of had was the idea that from Haiti, like I said earlier, the surviving colonists, some of them fled to New Orleans and they brought with them their practice, voodoo practicing slaves. Right. So this was kind of a point of transmission. Not to say that obviously the slaves that were transported straight from Africa to New Orleans would have still maintained those traditions. Or just elsewhere in the U.S., right? Like, there definitely would have been, yeah. Exactly. Not to say that voodoo was not present in New Orleans before the um, Haitian Revolution, but just to say that it definitely bolstered it, and yeah, and and, and just again, like, because of the fears of what happened in Haiti, it was just severely repressed until about the 19th century with a woman named Marie Laveau, and she... Did a lot. We're going to get into her because we're going to talk about a few prominent voodoo leaders throughout. Right. She was known the as the next, voodoo queen. So definitely one of the more well-known. Last well couple known. years. Last couple hundred years. Yeah, last, last couple. <laughs> last couple weeks. You know, <laughs> a couple of days. Yeah. yeah, no, she's a really interesting one. I'm excited to get into her. Totally. To uh, talk about that for sure. That's going to be fun. Um, so where are we at here? We're, we, uh... we're in New Orleans. We're in Cuba. Well, we didn't really mention Cuba. 
That was where Santeria was essentially developing. Right. That's sort of just another offshoot of a melting pot of different yeah. kind of occult beliefs. Catholicism yeah. heavily, heavily Oof. involved in that for sure. Yeah. More so than voodoo, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, Santeria. Yeah. So we kind of, yeah, like you, you see this blending of what you would call, it's almost like the rise of a syncretic religion of voodoo. Right. Because it is a blending of two religions. That's basically the definition of syncretism here. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't know what the definition but I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. sounds right. And so this w- included the practices and then the gods, right? So the saints and the spirits basically being melded together in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and didn't you have some notes on like the gods and stuff or? Yeah. So like in terms of the voodoo gods, there's a pantheon. It's not monotheistic, um, like Catholicism, obviously. So, um, but there is still sort of a hierarchy of gods, much like in like Greek or whatever mythology. So Mm -hmm. Legba is the main spirit god, um, sort of like the all knowing one or whatever. And then. There's lesser ones. I'm sorry, let me just find my place here. But basically it's like, yeah, so Legba would be the main one that you're sort of praying to or having a ritual focused on to try to connect to them if you're trying to, like, harness energy, like, what am I trying to say here? The Gabo is like this, like, supernatural energy that you're trying to, like, gain by praying to Legba to use for your life. Whether to, like, heal yourself or heal another person. These types of things. But what I found really interesting looking into the voodoo gods was, like, I've studied a little bit about shamanism. And there's, it sounded really similar at first, like, trying to reach out to this Legba or whichever god you're trying to reach or spirit you're trying to reach. But it's almost like a reverse. So like in shamanism, there's like a process called divination, right? And like you've, you've heard a little bit about that. But basically, same idea. You'll, you know, take some magic mushrooms or whatever. You're dancing. You're, oh, yeah, you have yeah, these certain okay. rituals. You'll end up in a trance. And the whole point of divination is to try to transcend in go on a journey. Go somewhere else to mm-hmm. find out information. To leave the body. To and leave and you're, and you're gone somewhere else. Voodoo, it's the opposite. It's spirits coming into the body. Yeah. And then you're harnessing the power within oneself because the spirit world and our world are like right. connected and how it's it's kind of um associated with like each individual has their own loi right their yeah, own spirit exactly. guardian god thing right that can take over their body like if they are a voodoo pra- like priest practitioner yeah or like a bokor exactly um, so it's similar but it's almost like a reverse that's cool i like that yeah so we didn't really we're just like jumping right into the holocaust and we're <laughs> jumping like all over the place but bit. the reason obviously for this uh rise of syncretism in voodoo is because like we touched on the colonial oppression the idea that these slaves were not allowed to practice their own religion by any means it was it was um yeah oppression through conversion yeah and how they were forced to kneel in front of these Christian idols. Yeah. And, and so that's where you get these, yeah, the mixing. You get it's St. Really, Patrick it's... and he becomes, who does he become? St. Patrick becomes uh, Dumbala, the snake wall. Okay. And, like, and for example, like uh, St. Peter is now Papa Legba, the, the gatekeeper of the spirit world. So that's cool how they're able to mix in their own spirits with the religious iconography of Christianity. That is really fascinating, right? If you think about it, because it's not like this happened overnight, you know, so it's like... There were laws passed, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just, just 
to think about like there's so much mystery right so it's like you know slaves come over they're they're baptized like mm-hmm. they're 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 catholic when they get there right? it's like mm-hmm. your religion is stolen away you're not allowed mm-hmm. to do it anymore but then they're off in these dark corners still practicing voodoo and then being forced to like you said kneel in front of other in front of catholic saints mm-hmm. just the ideas of like over decades and over this time like what occult beliefs from each side are really being melded together you know what i mean it's so cool it's like yeah it's freaky. It's, it reminds me of like the movie The Witch, even though that was like just straight mm, witchcraft. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about that kind of thing. Like Christian purity. Because there's so much pain, yeah. there's so much anger. Yeah. Like, you know, th- this is where the development of ideas of voodoo as like curses and negative associations with it because because it was a because this is where things like that were becoming a real thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. a part of the actual religion. But they were blending with these things and yeah. Totally. The darker elements. The darker elements. And you're right, yeah, that's that's a really good thing to emphasize is the pain. The yeah. pain and the suffering that yeah. these people are enduring. Like, oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine. Like we saw images of uh the chains that they were forced to wear and like those those aren't nice, pretty stainless steel, like, you know, like it's it, it cut into you. A lot of people, a lot of people developed wounds, sores that they ultimately succumbed to because of the way Just that they were. Just because of the chains. Yes. Yeah. And, and not even the labor, but even that was obviously. So, swollen. you no doubt, I mean, you can, I mean, you, I can, you, I can only empathize or, or try to f- imagine it to a certain extent. Right. But you'd think that obviously, like if I, if I was in that position, I would definitely be trying to concoct ways of either yeah. defending myself or or um mm-hmm. seeking revenge so to speak i guess might be the well but even not so much framing it as revenge but almost just writing the imbalance of injustice or right. evil and that's a big that's part where, of voodoo exactly the duality of good and evil and the balances of the spirits a lot of the times things that look like say if they're um, using a, a ritual object and they're sort of like projecting that they're not actually cursing someone they're trying to yeah correct the imbalance is kind of how i would frame it right and that's where we'll see and and and, yeah and and in trying to correct correct those imbalances and having like these offshoots like hoodoo like and things like that where Mm -hmm. you're maybe trying to you know accomplish these things we see all these like similar motifs like from catholicism and with this synchronicity right so like the color red the use of blood ideas of sin and sacrifice and reaching out to spirits to help you for these things right mm-hmm. these are all similarities with with catholicism and other uh, other religions that have gone as through well. oppression and right yeah. mm-hmm. anyway mm. ah okay where are we <laughs> oh my gosh well we're just getting way into the whole yeah the idea of repression and there like i mentioned there was laws that were enacted and declared like there was one in 1685 so this is a quite a an early one so basically this law just declared all african religions illegal on american plantations and required all masters to christianize their slaves within eight days of arrival in haiti yeah so things like that where it's just standardized conversion and yeah just forced yeah dicks (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm not really a huge fan but no and then yeah you again we did kind of mention the idea that um yeah, there get like when you see a voodoo ritual going on today, you'll often see um, you'll see saints, you'll see the Virgin Mary, you'll see crucifixes being used, you'll see elements of baptism also prevalent, right. like purifying through water, blood, um, yep. earth, different minerals like on the on the hair, on the scalp, yeah. and and face and everything, and I, I, yeah, it's all very um, 
like in parallel yeah yeah totally <laughs> parallel i feel like we're struggling a little bit today with our vocabulary i'm like reaching for words and like the words like super simple and i'm just like, <laughs> well, like, like i, can't I feel like is. the other day when i remember when i was struggling to find that stupid word and i, I feel like i just said it right now projecting i was trying to say like you know when you're really angry i don't know that doesn't make sense actually <laughs> no, never mind no, nah. no. sorry guys i digress we digress but we are struggling so i you think it's time th- for a quick break <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. Because we have an awesome promo from a another podcast that we're big fans of, Secret Transmission, hosted by Toby. He's got a few other co-hosts with him. Yeah, it's an awesome show. We're... And yeah, he's he basically well he covers a lot of the same subjects as us. Yeah, very similar interests as us, and uh, and we're digging on that. So here's uh, here's a little clip from Secret Transmission. Testing. My name is Toby, and I'm the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates, at Secret Transpod. So get ready to put on your tinfoil hats and come learn with us as we try to explain the unexplainable. And we're back. Indeed. So we left off just before the short break there talking about the, yeah, the, the synchronicity, the synchronisms, the the similarities, mm-hmm. the blending, if you will. Mm-hmm. Another interesting point there, just before we do move on, that I thought was kind of funny, mm-hmm. I think we mentioned it briefly earlier, but like St. John's Eve, like have you heard of this? No. So it's a thing. <laughs> like, and we, you know, everyone's heard of like St. John for the most part or whatever, uh-huh. like St. John the Baptist, if you're well, religious or I think whatever. Of a plant. Yeah. And also, yeah, St. John's wort, yeah. it's, which is like an, a medicinal herb. Um, you know, it's funny. The city of Kelowna classifies that as a as noxious a weed. weed. I, I know. <laughs> it's not just a weed. It's a noxious weed. Which is crazy because <laughs> it's legitimately used for all kinds of different medicinal practices. It reduces inflammation mm. and then it's used in rituals too but it's yeah it's become a big part of voodoo and so saint john's eve is like this big deal in new orleans where they do all these types of like voodoo baptisms oh. on like the, the banks of like certain sections of the river and stuff mm. and marie laveau was known for doing these baptisms on saint john's eve and people would always be trying to sneak down to the to the water's edge to like ca- catch a glimpse of these ceremonies because they were so mysterious and uh, really? yeah so marie laveau was a big part of that but saint john's eve and saint john's war named after him um, was incorporated into the into the uh, the pantheon of magical plants in voodoo basically that interesting uh, so you yeah. might find that in your gris gris yeah it was actually french even, quarter da- yeah it was even hung over doors in the french quarter to repel witches and evil spirits and it was used from in uh, antiquity as well for people to fend off like medieval witches as well <laughs> so knights used it carried it around things like that St. John's Ward. Cool. Who knew? So many uses. So that would have originated then in Europe and then been trans, trans sort of like. Yeah, that's that's a transmitted another example. In, yeah. Okay. Sort of transplanted. Because there, through. I don't, I don't know if St. John's Ward is ever in Africa. I don't think that's an African plant. No, that has to be a new. Yeah, uh, yeah, another a European. Yeah, slash. European, and then yeah, I, I wonder where it originated as a plant. If it's North American or European. Well, if it was in Europe it in the Middle Ages, then it had to be in Europe. I guess if there's there could be two different species of it, there That's must be true. two different. That's uh, very true. Anyway, 
Cool. Interesting. But oh, let's look into it now. Okay. <laughs> so then we get yeah, into we're botanists all of a sudden, just out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, you guys are listening to a body podcast. So, <laughs> so I think another like we need to talk about like we did talk about the blending of the two religions, but then there's also the element of the blending of the occult of the African and European origins and then the ritual objects associated with those two. Right. Because I feel like that's where a lot of the misconceptions arise from what we think when we, like today, say, if you're like, oh, voodoo, yeah, that's like uh, voodoo dolls and like, you know, like burning wax effigies and cursing people that way and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, no, that's what you typically would think of, right? And well, there was yeah. just recently a Disney movie that... Crystal Balls, Fortune Readings, that was, Wasn't there a new Disney movie there where, like, voodoo was incorporated into oh, it? Oh, yeah, The Princess and the Frog, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like they that. They used and a voodoo there's doll. Crystal Balls, and there's, yeah, there's the voodoo yeah. doll in that. And I've never actually watched it, but... I just saw the trailer for it, but it's all there. All the stereotypes are there. <laughs> yeah, the Crystal Ball, that is not voodoo. No. <laughs> tarot so, cards are not voodoo. <laughs> no, so tarot cards, the dolls, the Crystal Ball, and a whole bunch of other stuff... Mm-hmm originated way, 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 way back. back. Jinx. I found a really cool article from a girl. Uh, her name is Natalie Armitage. Okay. I keep wanting to say Armitage. 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 <laughs> She's okay. American. Probably. Uh, <laughs> but she ended up co-editing an anthology. It was called The Materiality of Magic. So it's an artifactual investigation into ritual practices. And she wrote her own article in that anthology called European and African Figural Ritual Magic, The Beginnings of the Voodoo Doll Myth. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, it's a gold mine. Yes. When I first came across this. So her, so she kind of explores the history of the use of effigies. So these are ritual objects. Okay. Um, also referred to as voodoo dolls. And she explores the use of these in Europe and then deconstructs the notion that voodoo dolls had a prominent place in West African traditional voodoo. Okay. But instead, it's, yeah, the idea comes from the misinforming ways it's been used and appropriated in pop culture in the 19th and 20th century and that type of thing. So... So where does this start, then? (laughs) Where's your jumping off point here in ancient history? We always get into ancient history on this show. Okay. Something we did not know. And you, listening, (laughs) probably didn't either. (laughs) All right. In reality... The first ever, like the earliest recorded history, uh, where there's evidence of sympathetic magical rituals. So sympathetic meaning like produces like. So like image based. So if you have an image that looks like someone, you're you can kind of yeah parallel. So the like two of them. the voodoo doll, obviously. Exactly. So this originated in Greco-Roman period. So things like second century millennia Assyrian and Ptolemaic Egypt. Wow. Practiced image-based sympathetic magic rituals. That's way back. <clears throat> yes. So these rituals involved a representation of the enemy person or deity. And I'm actually going to say it's more like the enemy people because a lot of times this was directed at whole cities that like say an- another city was sieging or something. Okay. Like, so not just individualized. <laughs> exactly. And um, yeah, so the doll object is then subjected to mutilation through burning, binding, inserting of nails, and other objects. So that is, yeah, so it's basically used to, in a, 
ritualistic fashion um, for protection for either the king and his peoples yeah. or whoever is involved in this. Right. And there's, yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's very prominent. Uh, yeah, so basically I got examples from, from Egypt, where yeah. there's the example of uh, the destruction, burning, and burial of wax effigies, so wax objects inscribed with names, and these were often inscribed in Greek. Uh, to protect the king and country in temple rituals. So another example I have here, this comes from Iraq, circa 934 to 610 BC. Okay. Uh, in Neo-Assyrian culture, there was found clay figures buried underneath the floors of houses in order to ward off evil and disease. So very similar, right? Yeah. Uh, to the ideas of voodoo, where um, magic is practiced to ward off disease, to yeah. ward off evil, not right. to incite it. Not for vengeance or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, so I thought that was very interesting. And this was just, <clears throat> this was the mainstream. This was kosher. This was what everyone accepted uh, in antiquity. Like there was much less of a separation of the human earthly realm and the spiritual realm. And it was so much more accessible and people just, yeah, it was just more condoned, I guess. The only example that I came across where it suggested that like a random sort of offshoot of of that idea, like it wasn't for vengeance or anything like that was, I don't know if if this is true. I can't even find the source. We'll definitely list it online. I have it in here, but Mm -hmm. it was a source saying that Ramses the third of Egypt, um, there was evidence that there were dolls directed at him. Like there was, yeah, that there were dolls that were mutilated, that were found, that were directed towards the king. And I don't know how popular Ramses III was, but Ramses II was super popular because he fended off the sea peoples and during the, end of the bronze age and then the th- ramses the third comes in later on this is after the the sea people's incursion and i don't know how popular he was clearly if if that story is true not that popular but no. <laughs> interesting yeah so they didn't actually know who had made them or anything no. it was just there where no. were they found do you know i think they was found like in not in his tomb or anything like that but just in sort of a nearby ruin or something like I that wonder... like from poor people that were trying to wish him ill will basically oh um lower level so priests that's... Okay, yeah. so not commoners, because I no. feel like that definitely would have been practiced by the it, I don't think people. it would have been even uh, preserved if from commoners. Right. It wouldn't have been in the, you know. I wonder how, in which way they were mutilated. I wonder. But anyway, I, I don't was, know why. I'm thinking the only... of the sphinx with the nose taken off now. I'm like, I wonder if they knew. Hey, yeah, I wonder, I wonder right? There, some that was like that. the only example. I pulled up another one, but it was from like live science, totally not peer-reviewed, anything, anything like that. And there was mm. speculation that an uh, ancient Greek like inscription was that kind of looked like a Medusa depicted like a Greek goddess that wasn't that yeah not Medusa but with like snakes coming out of her head and then some people interpreted this as somebody trying to like draw a curse basically black magic indications of ancient black magic but Hmm. much like a lot of these things it's like it's like look it's like it's like ancient aliens where they like look at a look at a hieroglyph and they're like that's a UFO it's like well yeah you can say that anybody can say I could say it's a pizza you know what I mean? It's like kind of just however you want to interpret it. So, <laughs> yeah. but so yeah, the, another point to make here while we're talking about antiquity is the emphasis on the image. So this, this, the, all these wax figures either were inscribed with indications of who it was supposed to be, or they were made to look like that. Uh, they had a, yeah, the image was important. 
which is a contrast to voodoo, and we'll explore that in right. a second. Yeah. So I have one more example. Go for it. From Byzantine culture. Okay. And <clears throat> I have <laughs> a dramatic quote. The use of figurative magic in antiquity also took the form of love spells. In Byzantine tradition, these involved charms with wax figures laid in a bowl of blood. Rituals performed with the wax likeness of the subject before it is stuck with a knife while conjuring demons, or names inscribed with a needle onto a wax figure. The names of the demons invoked were then written onto a piece of paper and inserted into the spine of the doll. A needle stuck into the heart of the image, likening this to the love that must pierce the woman's heart. Again. <laughs> the piercing of the figure is seen as a means of fixing or binding the demon that is being conjured to the object, rather than attempting to influence a sympathetic effect on a human or celestial victim. End quote. So that was from Natalie Armitage's article, but she actually got that information from a guy named Greenfeld. He wrote his piece in 1988, and we will be including that in our references. Interesting. Yeah, so I just thought that was interesting because you do get elements of blood. Right. Uh, so more, not I don't, I don't want to say primitive, but yeah, more visceral forms of um, rituals. Yes. And yes, yeah, just the wax likeness. The Okay, isn't that all those things, right? Um, the the sticking of the needles into the wax figure, the piece of paper inserted into the spine of the doll, all of this is conjuring up what I always think of when I think back to Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes, god! Yes, sorry. <laughs> I, I did not think that that's what I, I didn't think that's what you were going to say there at all. I was like waiting for something so profound, and then uh, <laughs> Scooby Doo Zombie Island. <laughs> That was my favorite Scooby-Doo movie. Oh, my God. But it was fun because that is, like, that was, like, an interesting form of, like, uh, early, like, a blend of witchcraft and Christianity, too, right? Because they were um, pioneers living on the plantation, and then they were raided by pirates in Scooby-Doo. And this, like, has a lot of history involved in it. And, like, it was Bayou Island. Like, a right. bunch of catfish out there. And anyways, sorry if I'm offending anyone with my bad accent. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. She's so, not an actress. <laughs> no, no. But they used wax dolls to control the gang in the end. Like, oh, okay. remember, it was the two the two evil people ended up being the, the girl and her mistress. And they turned into, like, these cat creatures that were, like... Um, they were immortal, and they. Anyways, Maybe I'm getting off a on a couple of kids later and watch uh, watch it again because I'm not really remembering that. But, oh, it's uh... so fun! <laughs> Love it. Anyway, that's funny. But yeah, I know definitely lots of zombies in that one. So check it out if you're interested in Scooby Doo. Yeah. All the young ones out there, get them into their Ogopogo onesie. <laughs> Watching some Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, we already mentioned that. It obviously, has a lot of Greek influence in antiquity. Yeah, like you mentioned how like. And I, I always mispronounce yeah. it, but like Ptolemic Egypt. Right? I always just try and Ptolemy, gloss over it. Ptolemy, I don't know. Ptolemyak. But that was obviously like Greek. Like you said, it was inscri inscribed in Greek. Mm -hmm. So obviously that. This was, a, Egypt went through so many stages of like Persian, Greek, controlled by a lot of different Assyrian, people. Assyrian. Um, but it was called the, did you already say the Greek Colossi? Mm -mm. Is that correct? Um, Greek sympathetic <clears throat> magic. Yeah, anyway, that's, I guess, yeah, the, the, the Colossi, basically, just, like, black, black magic. 
That the was the term of, for it. Yeah. The ideas of witchcraft in ancient Greece. And there's inscriptions about it, like 200 Black. BC. So this is a few hundred years after Herodotus and stuff. A few uh, Greek peeps talking about it. Hmm. The burning of wax dolls and such. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of it had to do with love. Yeah. Getting lovers back. Gaining love. Mm-hmm. Like, success with love. Sorry, are we still talking ancient Egypt? Uh, ancient Greece. Ancient Greece. So the same idea because okay. it was, yeah, G- Greek, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like what we, again, have to emphasize is like that a lot of these um, practices of antiquity were meant to bind like spiritual entities into like certain areas or to certain people or whatever. And mm-hmm. they weren't often used in nefarious ways. It wasn't like uh, a lot of like, yeah, like tit for tat like vengeance and you stole my chicken therefore i'm gonna yeah. put a curse on you yeah, or exactly. whatever that type of thing yeah uh but then when we get into the medieval era that's where we start to see more of that right so and wanna... it starts to get darker and darker and more taboo yeah and mm-hmm. no pun intended because it's sort of like the dark ages a lot of like <laughs> the middle ages but yeah. yeah it was it was um a dark time for a lot of people's <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak. So I'll jump into a little bit of the European witchcraft info. Sweet. Does that sound good? Yeah. Cool. Because obviously, like we touched on before, Catholicism blending with West African beliefs, and there's all kinds of these occult traditions melding and evolving over over time. Yeah. Um, and elements of witchcraft was a huge part of that. Mm. Um, because obviously witchcraft and Catholicism and Christianity are super, super closely related mm-hmm. because obviously you're burning witches because you're afraid of their They're threat to your, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So European witchcraft, basically we're looking at, you know, we've got around 500 years AD. So about ha- half a millennium after the birth of Christ is when sort of old pagan ritual was starting to kind of blend and cross over into the monotheism of like christianity basically um and yeah that's it and it was all cool it was cool at first like it, pe- pagan <laughs> it pagan, was st- pagan stuff was okay like okay. and we still practice pagan stuff today because like Halloween. christmas tree yeah or christmas trees are pagan really yeah oh that was gosh. a pagan belief like put up a tree and <laughs> they're like it's okay <laughs> as long as you put jesus on top yeah or yeah, an angel yeah. or <laughs> then, it, then it's then it's fine <laughs> But it wasn't, yeah, so the the 7th to 9th centuries uh, AD are when the church starts to sort of influence laws to try to create anti-witchcraft laws, this kind of stuff. Mm. But the whole point of this is obviously witchcraft and pagan rituals, much like voodoo, were getting pushed, shunned away. Mm. And not only were people just getting labeled as witches and burnt at the stake just at random, but the people who were, were legit practicing like root work or like herbal medicine or these types of sort of like very benign occult beliefs Mm -hmm. were pushed to the fringes, just like voodoo. And this is all European origin. What happens? European peoples go over, steal a bunch of Africans, take them as slaves. And now you've got occult beliefs that people were afraid of from Europe blending with this, with the same sort of ideas in. So traditional fears related to witchcraft and heresy in Europe become displaced and they become focused in the new world on the new other of voodoo. Right. The unknown. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And That's so neat. we see this evidence of this in all kinds of stuff with mm-hmm. voodoo practices. Like not just because they're not the same now as they were when you look at West Africa way back, mm-hmm. but like things like salt, like mm-hmm. the use of like black salt or sea salt in rituals. Like so salt and witchcraft is uh can ward off spirits, right? And same sort of thing used in voodoo. Um mm-hmm. used in all kinds of different rituals. 
usually black salt is the main one. Black salt? Yeah. I've never heard of that. I don't even know how you get that, but it's a thing. Diet? So salt is said to absorb energy. It can be sprinkled around an area to absorb negative energy, swept up and discarded. A ritual bath with salt and water or salt applied directly to skin will, yeah, ward off negative spirits. Interesting. Yeah. And I think we noticed that when we watched that documentary with sort of some of the modern day voodoo stuff, like Mm -hmm. in some of the mixtures that were there pouring over the head and things like that. Yeah. But also just in things like sacrifice. So the use of blood, yeah, that's definitely associated with witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we got here? Obviously, good and evil. So ideas of the devil, mm. heaven and hell. Um, the yeah, kind of the idea of. Uh, well, no, I'm not gonna. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Oh, <laughs> and, most, and most importantly, and most importantly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're we're touching on this in a second too, like a little more so. But the the like we were just talking about voodoo dolls for however long, and the poppet. Mm. the poppet and i was like when i read that what did what did you think of right away when i told you that word poppet uh parts Part, of the caribbean parts of the caribbean right yeah and bust in the door and it's like hello poppet and i had yeah. no way i thought he was just saying like puppet or something like just like trying to be yeah creepy cutesy the line in the movie but so wait a second what is the definition of okay a so a poppet this and this is this is another thing that's like led to the the voodoo doll thing Poppets are essentially voodoo dolls. Hmm. They are, um, they can be made of wax. They can be made of twigs. They can be made of string. It's basically anything, but they're just, they're made in the likeness of, like you said, like the, what was that mm. word you used? Like it's made in likeness of something else. Of the subject. Or, and yeah. these ones are like legit voodoo dolls. Like in the sense that we think they of it are, in popular culture. They're they are used meant for, to transmit pain. Yes. Uh, curses. Yes. That's cool. Well, not cool. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> but that's interesting because now we actually do get a legitimate voodoo exactly. doll yeah. in witchcraft in Europe in the Middle Ages. Yes. Nothing to do with Africa, voodoo, no. anything. No. Mm-hmm. The only similarities there is like you're using some of the stuff that you might find in hoodoo like mm-hmm. to, to go along with the poppet, right? So you're gathering up bones. You're gathering up these similar elements to be yes. used in the ritual. So those are the And then oftentimes that would include, it would include hair, nails, yep. any sort of thing that I could get from the victim, a piece teeth, of cloth. which is the creepiest one to me for how, some how reason. How would you get a tooth from someone if they're still alive? <sighs> I mean, this is the Middle Ages. People's teeth are falling out willy-nilly. You don't have a nice dental plan, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just, you, you punched them last yeah. weekend. You picked up know. the teeth <laughs> off the ground and then now you're, you're still mad. So you're I, like, no, I'm yeah. pissing you. No, I just remember reading that in one of the recipes for something and it was like, teeth. For some reason, to me, that just sounds so much more gruesome than bones. I don't know why. Teeth. Like, because it's just like, you gotta get them out of there. It's just like... <laughs> but a tooth is a bone I know, but sense, it just sounds but... so, like, painful and gruesome. Well, I don't how know how the why. heck would you get a bone? You have to chop off a finger. You have to boil <laughs> off all the stuff. And... I feel like bone implies that what you're using is already dead, though, and teeth is, like, ambiguous. But then why are you cursing something that's already dead? Well, maybe you're cursing the family. Maybe you're oh. just trying to do whatever. I or you're cursing them in the afterlife. I wonder Possibly. if that was a, quite a common thing. I don't know. Anyway. But, uh, okay, one thing that I think is interesting, too, as we move into this medieval era, yeah. is the binding, the emphasis on binding that I mentioned in antiquity, right? So, like, the idea that you're binding stuff to the effigy object, like, most often it would be spirits, that type of thing. Yeah. But the binding becomes something much more nefarious in the Middle Ages. It becomes more so an invocation of demons sent to curse the victim. So like we're saying, right? Like, and then that would be 
transcribed through the ritual object, through the the effigy, what did you call it? The pop the pop it. Pop it. And then with the intention of inflicting harm on an individual. Right. Much more prevalent in the medieval era. Yeah. And that's why people started to get really freaking scared of witchcraft. They did not like it. I have an example here from Scotland. This was 1968. Yep. 1968? Oh, 968. Sorry. 1968. It was just 50 years ago. Oh, exactly 50 years ago it would have been. Anyways, but not actually. It's 1,050 years ago. Okay. (laughs) So there was a King Duff of Scotland. King Duff. Yep. What a Duff King. Drinking beer. Yep. So he essentially, he found himself threatened by witches uh, apparently they were trying to cook his wax, a figure that resembled him, uh, over a fire. <laughs> and he started to, the story goes, this is a very vague story, it's just a little snippet. Yeah. But the story goes that the king was said to sweat when the wax doll was positioned over the fire by the witches. Wow. And then, yeah, the same story goes on to say that, or not the same story, but the same article went on to say that essentially... Yeah, there was rulers, say, like, Charlemagne, I, that was, like, pre-France Gaul. Yep. He passed several edicts on this issue. He banned it and its practices. He totally fearful, like, and that's where you get, yeah, the rise. And that's interesting to me. That's, it, that's really early. Yeah. This is the 900s. Yeah, that's super, super and early. And then, like, when I think of witch hunts and things like that, I think of, like, 1600s onward. Yeah. I mean, you think of Salem and you think of, uh, you think of mm-hmm. New World witch trials for us. I mean, being in, the, in North America... Obviously, I mean, what were some of the more prominent? I mean, there was lots. There was prominent witch trials all over. There was the a bunch of inquisitions, right? The Spanish Inquisition, the whatever Inquisition, yeah. all these. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You could get, uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess at this time, medieval era. So magic is just more and more synonymous with Satanism and taboo. Yes, right. So inescapable. It's just bad. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. I can't, every time I say taboo, I just think of Tom Hardy. I know, he's so sexy. (sighs) We're both just like gawking over him, eh? (laughs) (sighs) Tom Hardy, yeah, that's the one actor that I will gawk over a little bit. (laughs) He's great. Andrew's not gay, but he's gay for Tom Hardy. I am, he's 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 the best, I love that guy. And Taboo is such a fun show. It's really fun, I really hope Elements of black magic, elements of this kind of stuff. For sure, voodoo, definitely. And then in that one, they also combine North American... Um, like elements of magic and witchcraft that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So we've kind of covered a lot. Do you have any more notes on the whole? No, I think we're moving on. The most profound thing for me there was the poppets. Just the how yeah. voodoo dolls are not from that at all, and it originates in witchcraft. And it's just so cool. Like, Mind blown. And they're way creepier too. Like we'll we'll uh, we'll put up a, a an image of a poppet, but it reminded me of like Slenderman. Ooh. Or something. It's not like a voodoo doll, like when you'd see it, where it's more of like a doll. Like mm-hmm. they're creepy too. But these ones that I saw were like twig. So they're more natural. Almost like Blair Witch Project kind of style looking. Mm. Creepy twig figure things. Yeah. Or so, I'm thinking like Black Hole, that graphic novel where there's like all the uh, the stick figures and the the ha- oh and actual dolls that are in the woods and stuff. Do you remember that? That's a I never finished cool that book, but it's a cool book. book. We should put that on the bookstore. I think it was supposed to be um, an analogy for the rise of AIDS in Seattle in the right, 80s. Right, But we again... We should have a comic section of the bookstore. Oh, we, yeah. We're putting that up in the more awesome book section. Cool. We have to fight over who's going under my section or your section, uh, though. Okay. <laughs> well, you've actually read it, so it should probably go under your section. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. 
Great okay, book, but though. we're moving into the real fears and claims of voodoo, hoodoo, and the offshoots. So this is, we're talking zombification, yeah. black magic. I do have some notes, though, on the Kindoki uh, oh, you do? and some okay. other stuff before we dive okay, into I'm sorry. that. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm jumping the gun. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to gain a sense of what the African version of this would be, right? Ah, indeed. Like African magic. Right. African magic, a lot more benign, not seen as nefarious, not seen as um, conducive to Satanism or taboo, that type of thing. No. So that's just, yeah, something that we definitely need to hammer And just there. to be clear, too, the idea of magic has a certain connotation these days. When, I should have touched on this looking at the witchcraft stuff, magic was used by the church. Like, mm. people in the church would practice magic would do magic mm-hmm. until it became taboo yep. and associated with witchcraft then magic's not cool anymore no but when you talk about african magic it's like that's just religion mm-hmm. anyway continue yeah it, yeah so there definitely was less of a sense of separation between the spiritual the magic the uh even science right mm-hmm. like we had references to physics and how uh, matter and energy can never be destroyed nor created it can only be transformed which right. is a uh, powerful um, source of spiritualism in voodoo. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I do have some notes here. Just, uh, I just read the, the kindoki. So this was a term I came across. It basically is the, it can be an ability harnessed by an individual, um, to the ability to use um, unusual powers. So like magic, things like, it can be both positive and negative. Okay. can be attributed to sorcery or witchcraft. So sorcery would be more like the uh, medicinal, the herbal, the elements. Like hoodoo and... maybe kind of yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. And then witchcraft is more like the incantations, the rituals, the ceremony, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So essentially to heal in voodoo culture. So this is um, their use of magic or kindoki is to heal or to ward off or correct the spirit. So again, we're just kind of harping on the same things we yeah. said before. Yeah. But I think the main uh, point here is the the effigy object used in Western African magic that could have been mistaken for a voodoo doll. And in Bakongo, so that was one of the founding uh, African tribes, they they have this thing, it's called the Nikisi Nikondo. And so that is a fetish object. Okay. And I'm saying fetish object referring to the idea that it's a talisman, a charm, or a magical object, not a fetish as in like... Again, a negative connotation a, today, no but it does not mean the same thing. Yes. It was just a, just mm-hmm. a, a, yeah, a, an actual focus, not an, obs- like a negative obsession. Exactly. And so like the Nikisi Nakondo can take many forms and unlike that of Europe, it does not have to be image-based. So oh. it can be much more abstract. Okay. And it's the main um, emphasis is placed on the arrangement of the ingredients um, that gives life to the Nikisi, which is the spirit that is summoned within the um effigy object okay and so there were definitely um foreigners that went into these villages and things and they would see these objects and they would see things like nails driven into them and it would look very similar to what they saw in europe with like needles through wax dolls and that type of thing so this is a total misconception the idea that these were used to create harm or yeah transmit harm in some way but instead, like, these nails definitely, they represented a type of connection between the spirit and earthly realms. Interesting. So it could even um, be representative of a, 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 a binding pact between parties. What they would do is each member of the party would lick the nail, and then they would drive it in together, and it would connect them all and sort of to the pact. Um, and then as well, it could be 
um, again, a way to sort of, uh, a catharsis of sorts, to correct, say, the imbalance, again, of, of negative energies, that type of thing. So it could even be like, say, if a, a village member um, is having his chicken stolen or something, or, or maybe yeah. coyotes are carrying them off, sure. that type of thing, and there's sure. this imbalance, he might go to the voodoo doctor, voodoo practitioner and to correct that yes and do this sort of ritual to sort of so anyways i just wanted to say that basically the main functions of this nikisi the spirit within the nakondo was to protect the bearer and and mostly for the pre- prevention of illness was not for spite personal gain or revenge that type of thing mm-hmm. we just keep harping on that but i think we need to just <laughs> like you know we we're, we're tackling yeah. the myth conceptions. yeah so. and i mean this episode really has like we're gonna get into some cool like mythology stuff in mm-hmm. a sec but like this is it's it's, it's been a history episode and yeah. this podcast is history myths and legends mm-hmm. and there's definitely a lot of myth and legend with this stuff but yeah i mean there's just such rich history to it you can't we can't just cover european witchcraft and then not cover the yeah anyways yeah but going into again what you wanted to <laughs> furtively dive into <laughs> the real fears of voodoo practitioners yes so this is kind of the more ominous side of voodoo yep. that is definitely legitimate in the eyes of practicing voodooers. <laughs> oh my gosh, what do you call them? Just voodoo, I mean, uh, well, voodoo priests, voodoo practitioners. I'd... But I feel like there must be, because like I wouldn't call myself, well, I'm not religious, but if I say I was a practicing Christian, I wouldn't call myself a priest. You know, right, so I wonder, you would just be a Christian. Or yeah. I guess you just a person that subscribes to voodoo. Yeah. So, but there's some real stories that are quite out there. Do you want to kick off with the zombification? Sure. Because I came across a cool ass article that was not cool, but I was just like, what is that? (laughs) When I came across it. Okay, let's dive into it. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to get into the whole black magic, which was performed by uh, Bokor. So this was like the sorcerer. So there was uh, the more benevolent priestesses and then there's these Bokors. And I believe that Bokor actually means to do with both hands. Uh, okay. With other rituals, uh, the priest would only use his right hand, but the bokor uses both, which has different connotations. Okay. And yeah, so essentially the fear of becoming a zombie, zombification is a real fear in uh, in voodoo. Um, in general, I don't want to become well, a zombie. <laughs> in general, but obviously we don't really have this in Christianity, that type of thing, right? Like No, but I mean, just, I just mean... The idea of... Of becoming a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the walking dead. But it's not like that, though. No. It's a different kind of zombie. Yes. And actually, we found that out when that watching in pop culture. Yes. Like, which is kind of funny. We learned that. Actually, I'll, I'll touch on that in a sec. You go mm-hmm. for it. Okay. So basically, this is... The zombie is defined as a soulless body that can become a slave to the bokor, the person that basically places the person into a zombie-like uh, state of mind. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so the zombie powder. So this is like, this is what induces the person into the state. And what happens is essentially they are mistaken for dead, they are buried, and then they are unburied by the bokor and taken as a slave. Um, And essentially what, they have some sort of antidote to the poison, the zombie powder, which the main active ingredient is tetradoxine, which we'll get into because that is kind of contested. Like okay. the, you know, like the actual, can you actually make someone a zombie out of this can stuff? Can you like, dilute is... it enough to actually make it work? Yeah. yeah. And there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of scientific nuances that are interesting. But, so as, this is how the story goes. The Bokor unearths this person. 
gives them the antidote, gives them another sort of poison or a toxic plant called a denatura plant. So that kind of is sort of like, I wonder if it's the combination of the two different um, chemical properties of the plants, hey, that sort of induce the zombie-like state where they basically just have no free will. So there's there's little mindless laborers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this Daily Mail article I came across from 2015, and it discusses the story. It's a famous story. The guy, a Haitian man named Clairvius Narcisse, he was pronounced dead in 1962, and he was resurrected by a witch doctor and enslaved for 20 years, supposedly, on a sugar plantation before returning to his family and village. Yeah. This is crazy. Uh, So, essentially, this was written about in this book called The Serpent and the Rainbow by a Harvard scientist named Wade Davis. He was an ethnobotanist. Okay. And he learned about this zombie powder and he was just like, this is crazy. I need to go and, and figure out, like, is this actually true? Is this a myth? What is going on? And he ended up developing a relationship with this voodoo king, Max Boisvert, who we're going to touch on in our later section. Um, yeah, so essentially this guy is the godfather of voodoo. And he gave Davis this recipe for zombie powder. And so the ingredients. Let's hear it. Just a little squeaky laugh. laugh. Um, Yeah, so apparently Davis discovered that the potion was made from the crushed skull of deceased baby, freshly killed blue lizards, a dead toad wrapped in a dry sea worm, and an itching pea, an exotic type of vine. And then it says here, as part of a quote, "Um, but the powder's most noxious ingredient came from the poisonous pufferfish, whose liver and reproductive organs contain tetradoxine, a powerful nerve poison thousand times more toxic than deadly cyanide. Crazy. Yeah. So the question is whether or not you can come up with a combination that isn't going to kill someone that's going to just keep them alive. Yeah. But if, if this could have been something that, I mean, I believe, yeah, if it's something that could be, could have been figured out, you know, hundreds of years ago, mm-hmm. then yeah, no doubt that a lot of these myths and fear of, of voodoo became a real Are thing. Are based in the real. And there are people that definitely call out Davis for his his research methodology. He actually commissioned a grave robbing of a of a recently yeah. deceased baby, right. so that definitely did not fly yeah. with a lot of people. And <laughs> yeah. usually digging up babies less than ideal for <laughs> PR purposes. Yeah. And there was a, a guy. I found this other article. It was kind of like a follow up, and. This was by a guy named Terrence Hines, and he was ruthless. He was just saying that, yeah, like, all of Davis's research was just kind of throw it out the window because he went in without a skeptical frame of mind. Yeah, I read and that he, too. Yeah, he was basically duped by yeah. these people and well, all this stuff. And he actually made a good point. Okay. And I'm not a scientist. I don't know if there's a scientist and can maybe, like, help clarify this or sell, can, say, say whether or not I'm right or wrong. We should reach out to Mad Scientist Buck. I know. Oh, oh man, Chris, where are you? Um, but anyways, yeah. So this guy made the argument that if you put these people under tetradoxine poisoning, essentially what happens to them is you get flaccid paralysis, Hmm. flaccid paralysis. That's not a word you want to hear very often. No. (laughs) (laughs) Flaccid paralysis. Okay. And uh, that just means that everything goes limp. Everything, right. it's like the opposite of going stiff, right? Like, you know, some people think okay. of the mindless zombies the zombie, being yeah, like, like almost like a Frankenstein kind of Right, yeah. yeah, a little bit. But his argument was that this would be impossible. Like, these people would not be um, fit for labor, Working. right? Yeah. They yeah. would just be, 
they'd be paralyzed. (laughs) But I don't know if he was actually taking into account the combination of the Denatura plant and and the supposed uh, antidote that they instilled after they re-unburied them. Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. What is the significance not just of the ingredients themselves, but the way in which they're combined Mm -hmm. and the other sort of bizarre ingredients that are used? Like I, I what about the power of words? What about the incantation? Well, that like, too. Yeah, like the actual, the energy, the sort of the, the mm-hmm. non-empirical things that can go into it. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the homunculus episode too. Yeah. Like, what is the significance of some of these ingredients that seem just completely random or whatever, mm-hmm. but obviously has a purpose? I mean, alchemy is a little different, but this is sort of elements of alchemy. I mean, oh, this yeah. is this this is alchemy, is it not? It's oh for sure taking a bunch of random stuff and trying to make you know mm. crazy concoctions and stuff out of it. I mean, that's pretty. I'm not trying to create gold or anything, but no, but alchemy wasn't just about creating gold. No, definitely not. It's this supposed... is a definitely more occult version of yeah. that. So that was kind of where I got to with that. I I definitely thought that Davis had an interesting. He was an interesting reference. This is one of the first references I came across during my research. So yeah. just his connection to Max Bovere was definitely interesting because he, Max Bovere, is highly regarded. He is... Jump yeah. into it. Let's do yeah. it. Voodoo king, no? He is a voodoo king. Uh, recently deceased. I think it was back in 2015. Oh, really? That's very recent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, uh... Okay, so we're going to dive into leaders and... Yeah, I uh, I had a little bit on Marie Laveau, but we can touch on her after if you want. Well, we might as well lead in with Marie, Marie Laveau because she was she kind of brought on. it into the mainstream. Yeah, let's kick off with Marie Laveau. Yeah, I and, and just for chronological sake. Sure. It's just my OCD. Yeah, big time. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so Marie Laveau was known as the voodoo pr- queen yeah. of New Orleans. Yeah. She was a priestess. She was. She was a, a priestess. She was born a free Creole woman uh, in eighteen oh one. Okay. And she she died in the same house she was born into. Wow. She always lived a modest lifestyle, which was very interesting. I read that she was a hairdresser. Yeah. By by trade, so to speak, but that that was well, just yeah. a cover. <laughs> well, she definitely needed to provide for herself. Because she she married at a very young age. She married at the age of 18 to okay. a man, and they had two two kids, and both of those kids died, okay. and the man died. Uh, so she was a widow by the age of 20. Wow. So she needed to provide for herself, and so that's how she kind of got into the French Quarter elite, um, was through hairdressing. Okay. And I, on whenever I think of Marie Laveau, I, I kind of feel like she's the Robin Hood of voodoo. <laughs> like, she was yeah. always trying to help those that were underprivileged, um, those that were condemned. Like, she would um, see people that were about to be executed, that type of thing, and give them their peace and whatever. And yeah. So she was always offering her services. But yeah, she had an early family, ended in tragedy. She had about 15 children over the course of her life. Only one survived to adulthood. Crazy. So some people try to frame that as like a dark like what was she doing with these yeah like babies? she was like sacrificing like, was her own children right? yeah no. No. no anyways i wouldn't say that but you were yeah the hairdressing part is cool because it gave her a privileged position and she it gave her a lot of access to much of the town gossip rumors the elite like i mentioned and so she had a lot of power of information in what she possessed and she also created supposedly a network of informants so yeah this would aid her claims to psychic powers and to her uh, voodoo prowess, that type of thing. 
and apparently she exacted quite a bit of influence over the city. Crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is actually kind of hilarious. I have a quote here. Okay. Of Laveau's magical career, there is little that can be substantiated, including whether she had a snake named Zombie after an African god, whether the occult part of her magic mixed with Catholic saints and African spirits, or whether her divinations were supported by a network of informants she developed while working as a hairdresser in prominent white households and in a brothel she ran. She appeared to excel at obtaining inside information on her wealthy patrons by instilling fear in their servants whom she either paid or cured of mysterious ailments. It has been said that the voodoo queen of New Orleans had the power to put a person into or out of City Hall. She nurtured the sick through multiple epidemics, stood on the gallows ministering to the condemned, and was accused of causing the deaths through voodoo of both a lieutenant, governor, and a governor. Many condemned her as a witch, while others praised her as a saint. End quote. Very cool. Yeah, that was from strangehistory.org. But this is a very... <laughs> very colorful woman. Yeah. Very, um, <clears throat> like, you know, people, people were, had mixed ideas about her. Some yeah. people definitely, yeah, like the, the quote said, like they feared her and yeah. other people just venerated her and totally. ex- just totally respected her because yeah. she ended up living to quite an old age. Yeah. She was. Well, the interesting thing about her too sure is because did. obviously, yeah, like this is becoming not main, like she made it more mainstream, mm-hmm. but right. She's hobnobbing with more of the elites Mm -hmm. of of New Orleans and of the area. But when she's going to do like these voodoo baptisms on St. John's Eve and things like that, it's not as if it's like, come one, come all to the voodoo Mm. church where everyone's welcome or whatever. Right. It's still super mysterious, super, super secretive. And that's why the, there was positive Mm -hmm. associations with Marie Laveau and obviously all those negative associations persisted. It wasn't just because of racism or whatever. It was because all these practices stayed super secretive. Um, Mm. Another thing, I don't think I mentioned it at all earlier, but another reason why people feared this and why people thought voodoo was so secretive, it was because they were doing these things and rituals in strange places and on the bayou or whatever, but also because it was oral tradition. Not a lot of this stuff was passed down, like Mm. written in a book. It's not like there's like a Bible of voodoo, right? No. There's individualized you know spell books and different texts and stuff like that and all of this was oral tradition and it's evolving over the over the centuries and stuff so it's like you can't really go pick up any one reference book of voodoo Mm -hmm. to be like oh yeah this happened in this date and now this has changed into this that's another reason why it's so mysterious it's just constantly evolving because it's all oral yeah and yeah so she took leaps and strides and definitely helped to bring Bring some power back to the powerless that, like, you know, of the voodoo practitioners and stuff. Yeah. And again, like, we see this with Max Bouvier, the godfather of voodoo. Yeah. So this guy wasn't in the French Quarter. He was in Haiti. And he was also the person that reportedly gave Davis the recipe for the zombie powder. And at the time of his death, at the age of 79, he was the head of over 6,000 hungans, or voodoo priests slash doctors. So, again, like, shedding taboos, right? Like, he was responsible for a lot of that. He was responsible for the organization of these whole guns because they were so marginalized by the Haitian elite. They were essentially just living in extreme poverty. <sighs> yeah, it was yeah. it was it was not a good time. No. And he ended up 
getting the call from his grandfather. He was actually living in New York when I think he was about 18 or 20 or something. And he was studying uh, biochemistry in the City College of New York. Really? And his okay. father on his deathbed ordained him to carry on the tradition. Wow. So he was basically like, oh, okay, this is not something that you say no to. Yeah. And I'm going to accept this and I'm yeah. going to do it. And I have a quote here from him, just a quick one. Yeah. He says, quote, uh, my position as Supreme Chief in Voodoo was born out of controversy. Today, voodooists are at the bottom of society. They are virtually all illiterate. They are poor. They are hungry. You have people who are eating mud. And I don't mean that as a figure of speech, end quote. So that kind of points to the, you know, the conditions. And yeah. it's very sad. Obviously, Haiti is, is still enduring a lot of uh, hardship and struggle. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, definitely a very pivotal figure and... It's good to see, like, it's cool to kind of, like, end off, like, with some positivity. <laughs> a little bit. Like, not Oh, well, like, off, positivity like, in the, as in, like, he was bringing yeah, like, recognition. He wanted to shed the taboo. Like, he wanted, he, like, I know, like, even the fact that those documentaries you saw are around is basically because of him, yeah. right? And, yeah. like, how, if you allow the mainstream in to view, maybe there will be some myth misconceptions that'll arise like see even what i said right where i'm like they didn't actually explain that one frame where they're like ripping apart chicken i don't know what's <laughs> going on what is going on yeah you know i want to know and yeah. yeah but that's just this is the start yes yeah. it really is yeah so we're so yeah <laughs> i mean how do you want to wrap this up here i guess we're kind of we're coming we're coming down to the end we kind of are i i, mean, I think like i i, I kind of i do want to get your take on the zombification like because i didn't really Mm -hmm. get your opinion on that when we transitioned into talking about the leaders when we were when we were looking into marie Laveau and (laughs) yeah and and beauvoir there wasn't a ton of like i mean there was definitely claims that they were practicing black magic like well that Laveau practiced black magic Mm -hmm. that there was uh, oh yeah and to this day people say that she haunts the graveyard where she was buried and that she well, uh, you can see her ghost wandering around, um, cursing and like cur- um, creating century of curses for people that are disrespecting graves or like that really? type of thing. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. I really want to go to New Orleans after researching for oh, this. I know, right? And like, actually, well, we kind of picked this up listening to Graveyard Tales because yeah. they did an episode on voodoo and um, I can't remember which, which one of the two matter, whoever said that they had been there, but yeah. that their Marie Laveau voodoo store is like a total tourist trap. And then there's right. actual voodoo shops elsewhere in the French Quarter. Mm. But obviously Marie Laveau, yeah, she's still, she's right there in the public consciousness, revered yeah. slash, yeah, also controversial figure in very. history. Yes. Like a lot of women are though, right? Yeah, Powerful very much women. So. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Definitely. Ultimately, do you believe in black magic and what's your take on zombification? I believe in the power of belief. Kay. I believe that people can be induced to states where things that may not be possible in other contexts can become possible and journeys spiritual or metaphysical or whatever can occur. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, I believe in beliefs. (laughs) I believe, I believe. I believe that zombification is possible. Yeah. I don't know if I really, maybe that whole 20 year stint on a sugar plantation, like, holy moly. Like, was he really, that out of it and drugged that to me speaks to 
the need for a documentary to go in and see if I this know, is really right? happening everywhere. Like, it, would be, it would be like, you'd think like pretty like tough to make this stuff and then like force your, sl- basically you'd be micro dosing your slaves over 20 years to like yeah. keep them zombified. Like this Denatura plant is quite toxic. And from what I read, it can produce quite violent results in some individuals. So I'm wondering if, the other the tetradoxine would be a calming agent that type of thing so you wouldn't get that sort of violent because people that people in the u.s get poisoned by this plant and they are hospitalized and you're basically incapacitated for close to 48 hours if i read and you can die yeah so and psychosis is part of it basically it kind of induces a dream-like state so you don't know what's real you don't know yeah what's not yeah so I, I mean, I do believe about, that yeah. there's, like, obviously there's there had to have been, like, occult practices and knowledge that people knew the exact right combination to make this yeah. happen. Because there had to have been an origin for these stories. And yeah. people do claim, like, this guy that he was, yeah, stories like that, gone yeah. for 18, 20 years or whatever And was. just because some Harvard scientists got a hold of some of these samples and proved conclusively, no. big old air quotes, yeah, yeah. that there was not enough tetradoxine to actually affect or, like, there, there yeah, that doesn't mean that... It's not a real thing. No, you may, have, you may you have, have even acquired a bad batch or bad sample. And, or no, whatever. the batch that he actually acquired was from from Davis. Davis, because okay. he did the grave robbing. He actually assembled all the ingredients himself, yeah. which to me, that's not very legit. No. You're a Harvard-based ethnobotanist. You're not a voodoo practitioner. No, you, you don't need really to be know what going in and getting the right people yeah. To, to, yeah, to actually... And he did. He was with Max Bovar, and he was with this other dude, but like... That's the I... risk with things like that, though. You want certain results, you're going to kind of guide it towards mm. that, though. That's the issue with yes, a lot of that type of research. Yes, you already have the intent. Yeah. So, again, power of the mind. Right. You're trying to make it happen. Yeah, that's sort of <laughs> one angle of power of the mind. I do believe <laughs> in black magic. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, when... It's kind of funny, like, researching all this voodoo stuff, and then... Well, part of black magic, though. Like, well, this is just it. Looking into voodoo, and then mm-hmm. looking into European witchcraft and its association with voodoo eventually, like, in terms of crossing over beliefs. And mm-hmm. European witchcraft is way more freaky to me. It's, like, way more scary. The poppets are super freaky. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the straight up, like... scary. Yeah, like, cauldron, boiling babies, I'm gonna, like, set a curse on you type stuff. Mm-hmm. Which we don't find as much in voodoo. no. So I, but, but I, I definitely believe that, like you said, power of the mind and power of certain combinations and then crossing over with voodoo. There's, there's real energies that can be harnessed here. Another irony, Hayes, the idea that the fear of the other actually resides in the fear of the self, right? Yeah. With these, these European colonists. Yeah. They were really just fearing their own culture. Pretty much. (laughs) They were, they were, they were projecting it onto the other, the voodoo. Pretty much. And all that. Super ironic. It, it really is. I mean, think about mm-hmm. it being like, you can't do that. It's it's too weird. Like you're, and you know what though? Like at the same time, like we said this earlier, if you're a European and you witness some of these rituals, mm-hmm. right? There's just like in a shamanistic divination all over the world or whatever. It's like you're you're thrashing around. There's frothing at the mm-hmm. mouth. You're dressed in crazy different mm-hmm. garb and things like that. There. Like there's manic trance states, yeah. like chanting the drums, all of it, yeah, right? It just all adds to this fervor and yeah, this, and it yeah. is out there. Oh yeah, like it is out there, and so yeah. it's not even really like racist to think back way back in the day. If someone was looking at that, they'd be like, "I'd be afraid if it was like seventeen whatever, and you yeah happen to witness something like that." Especially you know if you mean? saw something like that happening, and then you saw a rebellion and a revolt happened yeah, right after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what the Haitian, the um, colonists described it as. They had made a pact with the devil. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was what was happening. Yeah, and there's still some, like, super religious kind of dickheads today that still mm-hmm. harp on that, being like, Hades still is in such rough shape because they made a pact with the devil all those mm-hmm. centuries ago because yeah. and practicing voodoo. But... Maybe they were just SOL. I don't know. No, no, no. Anyway, so there's there's episode seven. The That's myths, it. Myth conceptions of voodoo. Yes. Um... We're unmasking all the mysteries. Yeah. And we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, uh, helpful criticisms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. All of it. It's all good. Reach out to us at into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Yes. And you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Insta. Yeah. We'll always have updates. We are going to be updating, of course, the bookstore. Yeah. Got some cool books on voodoo and There's black some, magic. Yeah. That, this Honestly, this is kind of the most stacked Kind of is. It's one of the most stacked It's going to be hard to books. choose, hey? Yeah. Like, I haven't actually finalized that yet. I know, right. Yeah. And then as well, yeah, the blog post, um, that's going to be up tomorrow. I still have to finalize that as well. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> and as well, look forward to the show notes being available on the resources page on our website. Yeah. Go check out our website, though, because I added some content to the front page. Yes. And it is cool. Yeah, there's way more stuff going on there now. Um, definitely worth checking out. Yes. And uh, we do have like a mailing list now too. So if you guys are interested in like, you know, getting a heads up on when new episodes are going to come out or bonus material or contests, things like that, like we're in the process of getting some stickers and some other swag and things like that, that we'll definitely be doing in contests. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go on our website and sign up for the newsletter. And yeah, as usual, um, if you're digging the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe rate to Into the Portal. Subscribe. And check mm-hmm. us out on Audioboom. Yeah, new platform. We're absolutely loving it. It's awesome. It's yeah. And it's uh, a game changer. It really is. And then last uh lastly, yeah, don't forget to check out um Secret Transmission Podcast, our featured promotion <gasps> today. Yeah. And I think that's it. Do you have anything else to add, Amber? Um let me think about that for a second. <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, I think that's basically that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening, you guys, and we will be back again next week on Into the Portal. Stay tuned. Until next time.